1 Samuel 14, 1 to 23. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over the garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, the name of the other, Senna. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of, the, of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within as if it were half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count and see who has gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. Now while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was great confusion. Now the Hebrews, who had been with the Philistines before that time, and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites, who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond Beth Haven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, 
finally a brighter note yeah yeah in the story um yeah things hadn't quite you know been a picnic for Saul <laughs> yet but yeah, I'm trying um, to decide if I'm gonna edit that out yet or not <laughs> and um probably leave it <laughs> yeah give for it we gotta keep it um and uh but yeah, so it's interesting that we, you know, we turn to Jonathan and if you've read the story before, you know that Jonathan, he's just this faithful friend um, to David. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're just, we're seeing some, some things about Jonathan and his, his trust in the Lord that are just so different than what we've seen with, mm-hmm. with Saul. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of the nature of this whole situation here. It's definitely a turning point for Israel. Um, yeah. being led now, even though Saul is still king, being led by Jonathan, being led by someone who is trying to trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, that is interesting. Even though Jonathan's not in charge here, um, God uses him uh, to, to save Israel that day, as, as verse 23 says, um, and come through uh, in spite of all the failures of Saul and, and what he was doing. Um so yeah, what are some other things that stand out to you from this passage? Yeah, I mean it's such a a great reversal within this story. So as this battle sort of starts to unfold, all these people go into hiding and then at the end of the passage that you just read, the last of the people, like the most hidden of the people, mm-hmm. even they came out and were in pursuit of this army. And what was, you know, the turning point of this whole battle epic, you know, unfolding? Mm-hmm. It was one man, or, you know, really two men, his armor bearer, but really Jonathan being the central figure, it was one man's faith and mm-hmm. one man's obedience to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that quickly spread, you know, where Saul followed and then all the way to like the first deserters were regained their, their confidence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so just on, on face value, like there's so much great stuff that's happening in here, but I really think Jonathan is a sort of a Christ figure in this passage in terms of, you know, by his obedience to the Lord and his submission to the Lord, not only is he granted victory, but all these people who don't even really deserve victory mm-hmm. also get to partake in winning this battle right. and obtaining this glory. Yeah. And so I don't know, that was kind of like the first thing that jumped out to me mm-hmm. as really impactful and, and interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very clear. Like the Lord saved Israel that day. Yeah. The Lord saved the people of God. How did he save the people of God? It was it was really like you said through the act yeah. of one one man who was who was trusting him, and of course, like you know, Jonathan's not he's not Jesus, he's not the savior, but we're seeing a foreshadowing of of the work of Christ. You know that the one's obedience saves the many. You know Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, his perfect life. That's what that's what we mean when we say that you know, the righteous died for the unrighteous and God made us to be the righteousness of God is that we've been, God looks on us and sees the righteousness of of Jesus. Um, and, and so in spite of our sin, um, in spite of the ways that we have disobeyed God, I mean, in a sense, like we're not much different from Saul in many ways, you know, we've, we've been unfaithful to our creator. 
um, even at times in our life where we've known yeah. um, God and his ways and, and even the gospel, um, we've turned from him. And, and so in this moment, there's this act of graciousness of God saving even Saul, um, which is, I think, a reminder, too, that none of us deserve the salvation that we've been given. Yeah. But because of the faithfulness of Christ um, and through his work, we, we have been saved. Um, yeah. And that's good news. Absolutely. And, you know, this is paving the way for um, Saul. Saul is beginning to lose. You know, the Lord is taking his glory. And here it's it's kind of given to Jonathan. And it's just the, the beginning of this decline. So, you know, Saul is no longer the hero of Israel. And we're going to see um, tomorrow even how that plays out even more to where Saul is, uh, the Lord is opposing the proud and giving grace to the humble. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think just to me on a, a really practical level, there's just something about that humble confidence that's mm-hmm. really attractive mm-hmm. in Jonathan in this mm-hmm. passage. Mm-hmm. It's not showy or, or cocky, but it's what we see in David. It's what we see in all these other, uh, you know, characters in the Bible and in moments of faith where they're just so confident that the Lord is going to come through and make good on his word. Mm -hmm. And why is the Lord opposing Paul or uh, gosh, I keep doing that opposing Saul. It's because, you know, yesterday he, he's not sure that the Lord's going to come through and he, he tries to force his hand on these religious things to, you know, almost coerce the Lord into being faithful. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately it's, uh, it's just him being faithless. And so that is just a, a powerful thing to have on the forefront of our minds, mm-hmm. you know, is that, that humble confidence in the Lord's faithfulness and living confidently, not out of our own strength, but out of, you know, trusting in his goodness and mm-hmm. kindness to us. That's a really good, I think, practical word because, in our day and age, humility sometimes people think that means like without confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, it means you're humble if you are open to different ideas and yeah. like, you know, maybe maybe the Bible's true, maybe it's not. You know, that's like seen as like a very humble thing. Mm-hmm. But humility here in this story is like a very strong confidence in what God has said. Absolutely, um, and that's true of Scripture. And so humility looks like. Uh, recognizing who God is in his greatness and glory and believing that that's trustworthy mm-hmm. and and then walking in such a way that demonstrates you believe that yeah. that's what real humility looks yeah. like um it's not it's and it's fine to to have questions you know about things but humil a humble question is one that's seeking to know the truth um mm-hmm. and and so uh I, I like what you're saying about humility, and I think that's a very important thing for us, even in our time, you know. Um, it may not look like charging into a battle. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, in a sense, it's like that. Um, it's trusting in God's Word. Mm-hmm. So, I know. That's good. Well, it's been good to read God's Word uh, today, and mm-hmm. um, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. So thanks for listening. This is Jeremy Brooks with Will Carlisle. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.